0: Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome once again to an exciting episode of Wednesday Night Live here on uh, the Wednesday before Christmas. What a wonderful thing. I am so thankful to be sharing the privilege of serving our Father in this really unique apostolic calling that he's given to us. Today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that we referenced um, on Sunday briefly and talked about uh, the week before, and Nancy Duchamp spoke on this same passage in in the Wisdom class this past Sunday, but we're going to redirect our attention to Luke chapter 2, and um, we're going to talk about some very interesting and important things regarding what what is said there. And uh, I I believe that it's going to be a blessing. But before we get into um, Luke 2, I do want to remind all of you who are part of our Father's Church family here in Dallas, that the... um, the event that we originally scheduled for tonight, for Wednesday night, a Christmas party, chili cook-off, kind of a festival. Um, we've had a number of folks in our congregation who have been encountering this really short-lived but drastic intestinal stomach virus and um I, I just didn't feel that it was good for us to come together at this time, since so many people are battling it, and uh, it's not a lack of faith, it's just a precaution. I mean, you know, if it's pouring down rain outside, you could have faith if the rain's going to stop, or you could take an umbrella. Which Which do you do? Is taking an umbrella a lack of faith? No, it's not. It's prudence. At the very least, you can look dapper carrying your umbrella through the streets, as they do in London, and uh, be smiling at the clear skies. But no chili cook-off, no Christmas party tonight, but it will be um, instead, not a Christmas party, but the chili cook-off on New Year's Eve, Sunday, New Year's Eve, right after the Sunday morning service. And I know we're going to be doing a lot of prophetic things that morning we're gonna be doing a lot of uh, intercessory things that morning. That will be the theme of the morning, but then again, God didn't call us to fast on that day, so we'll have a, a bit of a celebration together, which is good. It'd be wonderful to be able to go into the new year feasting together, rejoicing in the goodness of the Lord. So that's what we're going to do. And I, my apologies to anybody in our body who has not received the emails, the Marco Polos, and the various other announcements that have gone forth to try to um, change the date. But the very least, you'll come here tonight if you miss all these wonderful announcements, and you'll just have a nice feast with whatever chili you made, which is not a bad thing. So, Luke chapter 2. We have the time where the disciples, um, basically, in the embodiment of the shepherds. (laughs) What I mean by that is that those shepherds represent something prophetically about the good shepherd coming, being the over-shepherd of uh, many shepherds who will go out and uh, go into the pastures that Jesus has created. Jesus is the door of the shepherds. All of those things that are said, and the uh the shepherds are out on the hillside, you know yesterday while I was uh working out, I found online the uh the chosen's newest offering that um, depicted Mary and Joseph going into Bethlehem, and one of the aspects of the story was the shepherds and if you've not seen it, I'm not. You already know the plot, so I'm not f- spoiling it. But uh, what they showed about the shepherds was uh, a wind, and then all these different colored lights, which I think is very accurate, because of what we studied about the the, the plethora of angels that were there and the various varieties that God had created for His service. It was really interesting that they showed Joseph and Mary being able to look out from the manger and see this color display out on the hillsides. I don't know whether that really happened or not with Joseph and Mary seeing it, but it was really fascinating. But here in Luke 2, it says that the angel of the Lord, Luke 2, 9, came upon them. And the glory of the Lord, which I think again is wonderful, we've depicted this—the the the way that the the multiple colors forming the white light of the Lord were all present there, and the glory, of course, is the fire and the uh, the vibrancy of God doing something that uh, was setting in motion His purpose and plan, shown round about them, and. Um, the angel says in verse 10, Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy to all people. And then uh, the sign of the, the, the baby lying in the manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Then here comes the multitude of the heavenly host, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now, what do we want to focus on here? Because we've talked about several aspects of this already in the the past couple of weeks. It dawned on me two factors. First of all, that this was the angel of the Lord that was coming, and that's significant in the Scripture. And secondly, these angels were praising. And this is Anyao, which we talked about two weeks ago on Sunday. And we also then shared this past Sunday that this word is uh, is in the same etymological group as friend, our spirit breathing, and then us gaining the euphrenio of uh, of the passion of the Lord and our understanding and all the derivatives that come out of what happens when our spirit, born again, only born again through Christ, begins to communicate with God in diversities of tongues, unknown tongues, and um, and then the ramifications of that for the kingdom and how it develops and grows us. But these angels are speaking this Aineo, which is basically... The concept itself. It's basically the fullness of how God is progressively revealing and partnering with us to intercede and display his mysteries. The angels are, are really proclaiming the, the essence of what this is. And here's the other thing about it. Up until this point in God's dealing with men and women after the fall of Adam and Eve, um, you, you did not have this capacity of, for the human spirit to be born again and then to be able to, to communicate with God as what happened on the day of Pentecost at the birth of the church, the promise of the Father. None of that was possible until Jesus. And so these angels embracing the plan of God for man, which was important in the schematic of dealing with the rebellion of Satan and the fallen ones. um, Here the angels are really declaring this wonderful gift that would be available to human beings. This, this, that it would, um, that would be good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, available to all people. This, this idea of um, a Savior that would make possible God's plan for His Spirit within us to be able to function. And the great joy, if you, you can study this this week, this isn't our message, this is not our message, but the great joy that is is there and that's carol which is uh, a a function of grace the megas joy that now joy grace would be able to be engaged in by people throughout the world that that is that is a wonderful wonderful thing the angels are basically declaring that god was now making a way for mankind to function in In the way that he originally created them to function. Us to function. I think that's glorious. So if you study this chara. uh, Which is again grace. Just look at it through scripture. And see how many times. From the aspect of grace. Not just giggling happy. But the aspect of grace. That where this word is used. You see That people or the plan of God is stepping forward into the new. And that sense of accomplishment is is really what brings delight to us. And, um, you know, you see, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. The Magi, the first issuance of it. I said we weren't going to teach on. I'm just going to cherry pick a few things. Why were they with joy? Because something that they had believed for, studied about, now they see it and they think, okay, this is happening. This step forward is happening. And there is a drive of grace when you've been offering supplication in God, spirit of grace and supplication. There is a drive within when grace gets a hold of you that will only be satiated when that grace, that step of grace has been taken. And here these guys, these magi, they, they had been looking for the coming of this great one. They had studied. They probably had prepared because obviously they were ready to make this long journey. They knew what they were bringing as gifts. So when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. It was because of grace. And um, I I just, you, you just look at this. Um, the parable of the sower, how does that work? People uh, are initially see that this is more than what we are i want to do it but then the cost of it sometimes can be daunting because grace isn't free it has a cost we've studied that about grace Um, yes that god would offer this to us we did not earn that offer but you you talked to hannah about what grace cost her you talk to others about in the scripture about what grace cost her them. It was never free it It causes you to come into a partnership with God where you are willing to do whatever He says in order that his will would be done and His kingdom would come i I just think it's phenomenal it's just phenomenal, even you know, you you skip on ahead, and you can study this for yourself if you invested the large sum of ten bucks to get the King James with Strong's, uh, or any of the any of the other versions with Strong's. You just study it out. Um, what James says: count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. You got to keep your eye on the prize. John, First John one four. Um, these things we write you to that your joy may be full. Jesus told his disciples, um, ask and you receive, I iteo, iteo, that type of prayer that we've taught on a lot where you're serving God. It's the sha'al of the New Testament that your joy, that grace might be fulfilled. And then the final one, 3 John 1, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth these children are walking in the the wonderful privilege of the spirit of truth revealing things that have not been seen there's a difference between uh, walking in the facts of the scripture which is a great thing to do there's a difference between that and walking in truth you know that don't you I grew up in a regimen, and I studied in a regimen of biblical pursuit that was based on biblical fact. Thank God for it. We need that foundation. But when you begin to engage in truth, you're going where, borrow a Star Trek line, no one has gone before, because the Spirit of the Lord has revealed it in our day, and He's He's taken the cover off and he's allowing you to walk into places that he's reserved for this hour. That's how the Spirit guides us into all truth. It's not into all facts. You can, you can have facts, but I want facts and truth. Just the facts, ma'am. No, we want more than just the facts. We want the truth. And so joy is what this angel is, is declaring. And um, it's megas joy, which means that this opportunity is going to be known through people who will accept it. And this proclamation then for the plethora of angels that come is is about how um, we have the privilege of fulfilling this plan that has only been possible because of Jesus because then our spirit can be born again you know let's talk about that for a second that is a that is a monumental that is a monumental understanding you understand that you're not going to read that in your Dake's bible or any other thing this is something that you've been living as pneumatic diversities of tongues people Don't be dolts with this. Recognize the treasure that God is giving you. You might ask, well, if what you've taught is true, and it is true from the scripture, that the, um, the only reason humans have life at all is because of the spirit of God within them. And they have to give that up when they die. They give up the ghost. They give up the spirit. That's how we have life in us. But we've only been able to be born again in spirit through Christ. And that's what these angels, even though they didn't understand everything, they knew the prophecies. They knew the Isaiah prophecies. They knew that Christ had come to do something sacrificially, to pay this price. But it had to be Christ that did it. Couldn't be them. It had to be Christ. Read Hebrews. To which of the angels did God say at any time, sit thou on my right hand? It, it had to be Christ. So they're announcing this. But that's why the Spirit would, the Holy Spirit, the, the God's Spirit from above, would come upon people in the Old Testament. Or a candle that would burn on the spirit. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, Old Testament, where God would illuminate things at times. Or when he would give another spirit. We talked about what another means to Caleb, where um, that meant a spirit that was devoted to, to what God had always ordained to do. There was an imprint upon that guy that he committed himself to that and God honored that. Or when David had a a spirit that sought after God or when Saul was given another heart, again, that another, that story of what that meant. We've taught about this. I just referenced it. But... Not until Jesus, not until Jesus, could we be alive in spirit. Oh, yes. God. Now, why would God allow certain people to function, to function through their spirit? They weren't born again. I'm telling you, all you biblical purists, if you say they were born again, then why did Christ come? If you say that the Old Testament people could function as we do in spirit, then why did Christ come? Why? You better, you better gird up your loins on that one. This angel was declaring this Aeneo and he was saying that the, 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 the divine plan of God, the divine plan for us to partner with him in the fullness of what all he intended was now going to be uh, available in grace and through grace in the megas way. And then all these this multitude of the angels come and they begin one by one to declare in their various creative capacities of how what you and I, born again, filled with the Spirit, moving uh, on behalf of the throne of God, through Christ, only through Christ, what we could do. This was a triumphant moment. But it wasn't just about the baby Jesus coming. Oh, there he is in a manger. You know, let's all talk about that. That's wonderful. Wonderful. But if that's all there was, we're missing the magnitude, magnitude, the magnificence of what God sent His Son to die to redeem us to the Father to know and to partner with. Yes, most of the church is fight over the crèche. They celebrate the crèche. That's great. And it is a wonderful part of the story, but it's a beginning. These angels were talking about the library maybe they were speaking out of the thesaurus in heaven undoubtedly they were but when they praised and when they spoke this way it was it was a glorious glorious thing Uh, i'm i am just amazed i'm amazed by this it's just a wonderful wonderful thing just a wonderful thing uh, i I'm, I'm, I'm really overwhelmed by it now let's talk about this as well okay and and we talked about how the spirit uh, could be born again and then the gift of the father on Pentecost was this ability to speak in the, the mysteries of God through tongues and then that we become alive and we fulfill 101 unknown tongues, diversities of tongues teaching. We talked about that and how important it is. But what we want to talk about two things in the remaining half of this broadcast. Well, actually, we've got more than half. I hope you didn't expect to get a, a brainstorming uh, invitation to study here today, but might as well, because that's what these angels <laughs> declared Why did Paul speak about, though I speak in the tongues of men and angels and have not agape? uh, I'm not really accomplishing anything. What are the tongues of men and angels? Well, first of all, because the tongues come out of the spirit, which is what these angels were identifying. Okay, that's the link. So these angels are talking about the Aineo, which then is going to be accessed through moving in the spirit of grace and truth, moving as sons, speaking in these languages, communicating with God in these mysteries. So this is an angelic discussion. The tongues of men are how God originally intended for mankind to communicate with him. It was originally one language, but then it was split at Babel and scattered. And so many of those languages have disappeared. Hundreds and thousands of languages are gone from the common speech of men and women today. You realize that, don't you? You know, we're in Brazil, and they were, uh, somebody was studying about how that thousands of languages that were originally part of that massive land uh, in South America are, are now extinct. And each one of them had some efficacy for the creation of God and in communicating with God, and so when we speak in the Genos Lelia, we're speaking the languages of, uh, we're speaking the languages of the Genos, what God originally created, the Genesis, the Genos, the genetic, in that language, and God utilizes these many many tongues. To speak those and the mysteries, it's it's bl- it's wonderful to God's ears and to His heart, but but it's also a fulfilling of battling against mystery Babylon, and it's also speaking about the histem- into the Hestemes and the uh, the deposits of the glory that are around the earth. Uh, when you travel outside of the little cocoon of the United States and you go into multiple countries and you utilize these gifts of the Spirit, you sense the differing aspects, same God, but differing dimensions of how God's Spirit is deposited into the lands. You just do. So the tongues of men is... is... um, is important in conjunction with the agape or breathing hard after the purpose of God. It's not just being peachy sweet and doing sweet things and having uh, having love or charity. It those You dumb it down to some sociological kindness, and that's a good thing to do, the sociological kindness, philanthropic, benevolent. Yes, we should do that. But agape is the driving passion of God's heart. And so if we don't have that, what in the business are we praying in these languages of men? What about the languages of angels? And here we get deeper. Because we studied recently about further understandings of the angels serving those that are heirs of salvation. They were created for that. And what the liturgos, the, the service of these angels is, priestly serving what God is trying to do through us. Which God's plan. It's not our plan. It's God's plan. Thanks be to Him. What an honor. But There are ways that God will allow us to speak in languages through our spirit, His spirit empowering His spirit within us that's born again. There are ways that God will allow us to release His commands through these languages. And the angels recognize the difference between those communications. And the other variations of language, that is very important. Also, when we are partnering with the angelic, when we're going into places that God is redeeming, and we speak into them, there is there is uh, there is something that is on a higher level, a spiritual level that we're communicating, and it is it is really the epangelo it is it is the it's the angelic release the way the angels speak into the creation of god and you know like angels opening the prison doors or speaking to the waters and or you know all the things that we see angels doing commanding the hail and all of those things there are times when god allows us to speak into creation through these languages that are that are angelic uh, that have only been utilized by the angelic regularly to this point for creation, for doorways, for gateways and so the angels knew that was going to happen as well and they, they speak this plan knowing full well that now we're going to be uh communicating on behalf of the father and they're going to align with it so that's kind of interesting because this angel de- these angels declaring praising the inyeo um they're really talking about the capacities of what our born again spirit then moving in these heavenly languages is going to entail for them and for creation and they go through how it's going to change creation it's it, all of these wonderful things that were again point by point detailed in a beautiful way in the wisdom class this past sunday um so let's talk about one other thing why was this the angel of the lord who came and this is a big study. What's the difference between the angel of God the angel of Elohim and the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament the angel of Yahweh and the angel of Elohim and what what here is the angel of the Lord which is the curios, which really aligns with the development the Shaddai uh, of mankind what, what, why was this the angel of the Lord? I'll just say it that way. Well, let's first of all remind ourselves that in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord spoke about the plan of God. And the angel of Elohim spoke about the heart and the passion and the relationship of God. So, we said in the spirit realm, everything has to do with uh, relationship. That's Elohim and authority that's Yahweh the plan of God that's just the way it is It's just function that's just the way it is um, you find like you know uh, yesterday on Saints Radio Monica was talking about um, uh, Ishmael and um, Hagar and how uh, the the whole story of Hagar. And if you look at how God dealt with Hagar, who would be Ishmael's mother, Abram's son, Abram's first son. The first time when Sarah sets up for Abram to be with Hagar, and then she realizes that Hagar's pregnant, she gets the stink eye and drives off um Uh, Hagar says I'm not messing with this I'm out of here and it's the angel of the Lord that comes to her and begins to counsel her it's the angel of the Lord that does that and then they have this really odd encounter at this basically at a well that is hard to pronounce beer lahai Roy Beer La And that's that's an interesting word in conjunction with the angel of Yahweh. And, and you know, we should break this down <clears throat> and teach on <clears throat> this this particular well, because it, it really means the well of the living one who sees. And the beer here, we've taught about beer but that is that is an interesting word that that really starts the bar is to write down yes its function but the base of it is to write down to script and and really the bar the fire of god the the burning of god is happens after you have fulfilled what is written. After you have surrounded yourself with the treasures of understanding and partnering with God, which is why it's judgment and burning, the mishpat of God, the purpose of God, the law of God has to be partnered with, understood, taught, and and that becomes a bastion from which function happens. So why would they call a well that? Because, boy, you 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 have to discover the well. You have to know how to process the well. It really is indicative of the the well of the Lord within, springing up within you. But you cannot separate the well of the Lord from understanding and and r- recognizing what meaneth this so many people in the church and I know this as a teacher and you do too want to remain ignorant they just want you to make it simple make it simple like a little kid in the class that doesn't want to study you're going to have a hard time moving in the kingdom if you don't devote yourself as the apostles did we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word you've got to study to show yourself approved you've got to learn. God created all of us with the capacity to know him and to know his word. And that's the essence of bar. That's the essence of beer. And that's why when you came upon a water source, what they said was, oh, this is wonderful. This is what we need. We can now prosper. We've come to the treasure that makes life possible. You cannot survive without water. And that's why when you study about we're connecting all of these things, the friend, the, the essence of of the in the old testament was this the the way that the the bricks surrounding a well were were positioned so that people could access. This is just wonderful. So the angel of the Lord is speaking to Hagar about Abram's first seed which would be Ishmael and they call this well first of all beer and then Lahai Roy um this this is just amazing i mean it's we, it, there's something in this for us okay there, there's something in this for us because Le, in the hebrew particle is something that directs toward motion and then Haya means to live, which is, we come into the Greek language and you speak about kairos, something that is living now, that's the A-I-R. It comes from this. It means something that is alive and living. And then ra is ra. It's that, hey, you've come upon this. You see it. You You are now you you you're now functioning in the way god has shown so the angel of the lord comes to hagar and says you need to go back god is with you serve there and um, it, there's a real lesson in there's a lesson in religion Because religion is never going to openly welcome this. Sarah represented a a religion in this. You know, she was barren. And I'm not saying she did that on purpose. Stick with me. But so many times when God reveals these deep truths, there are myriad understandings. Abram should have never been with Hagar. Well, God was blessing it and sometimes when the religious circle is barren you got to show this is how life comes and god honored that somebody had to partner with the, the way of god the plan of god and so for her hagar she understood that this was what god ordained because beer functions with Yahweh, the, the plan of God has to be particularly taught. It's not facts. It's based on facts, but it's, it's evolving. It's moving forward in grace. We're saved by grace, but then you've got to grow in grace, and this is a factor of grace. So, God then brings life in direction, and he's guiding and Hagar recognizes this. This is why they call this well, this Behar, What by this name, Laharoi. That's what the angel of the Lord offers. That's the point of it. So the angel of the Lord comes to these shepherds and says, okay, here is the way you're going to access the well within you, the well, the rivers of living water, the well within you. And God is going to teach you. And you're going to be able to follow the plan of God if you will allow him to teach you and lead you. And you will you will then be able to follow the Lord as he leads you forward. That's this meeting with Hagar and this weird name for a well tells us how you partner with the plan of God. Even though people may be rebuking you, giving you, I said the stink eye, and anybody who's lived has seen that. uh, I don't understand the stink eye. Well, you've not been living then. You get something, there's somebody over here that thinks they should have had it. How do they look at you? That's the stink eye. It's not in the Bible, but it's in common life. And it can be awful. It can be bad, especially if that person has authority over you. We have been recipients of the stink eye. Where religion said, no, we don't want to move with God in this way. Uh, You know, we're barren and we're proud of it. We're based on facts. We've got it all. But what about the truth? Oh, there's no new truth. Oh, what about apostolic messages? Oh, no, those all died out. Oh, we've heard it all. And so God says, you just serve there in my plan, and I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to show you how you function from within, and I'm going to guide you uh, forward, and I'm going to show you how to walk with me as the great shepherd and the Ra, the Roy. And, and really, that word then comes through the Latin to the French, and they call their kings by R-O-I. Because that means somebody has actually done it, and they've succeeded, and now they have power, so let's follow them. Hopefully, they function in that way. doesn't seem to be happening very much in Washington. They have power, but they're they're not leading us upward for sure. So then, okay, why did I bring this up? Because first of all, the angel of the Lord comes to the shepherds. Very unique. Shepherds were always looking for wells. They were experts at water sources. So later on, after Ishmael is born, suddenly the stink eye rises again. Sarah makes Abram send Hagar out. They run out of water and then suddenly, suddenly, there's an angel. But it's an angel of God an angel of Elohim in chapter 21 of the same book. Now, those of you who are tempted to put everything in the the Bible blender and make it all mean the same thing, you better be careful before you push that button because somewhere in your DNA you know that the divine author has inspired every word, And so there was not a miscreant translation here from chapter 16 with the same woman and the same little boy to chapter 21. God knows what he's talking about. So here, this woman who has obeyed the Roy and has stayed faithful, now she's booted out again. And Elohim comes because... He has a relationship. This is a child of the covenant, this Ishmael, whatever you think of him, he's precious to God. And God says, I'm going to watch over him. There's relationship. Which comes first, the relationship or the plan? Well, we see Jacob, don't we, at Bethel. We've taught about this, haven't we? And he's meeting with Elohim. And then the, the latter where the angels of Elohim are going up and down, and then looking down from heaven is Yahweh. Again, divine author, inspiration of scripture. Not one word is, is a miscreant word. What does that mean? Well, Jacob was already the son, uh, the patriarch. He had the blessing. Whether he was acting like it or not is another story. So he was already functionally in the promise of Abram and the promise of Elohim. Do you see that? And then the angels of Elohim, off of that measure of relationship, lead us into the privilege of partnering with the plan of God, which is Yahweh. So, which came first, the Yahweh or the or the uh, um, or the heart of God? Well, it's it's all he's all the same. He's one, but you you have to be led to o- o- obey his plan. If you draw nigh to me, seems I read that somewhere. I'll draw nigh to you. It's not works, but you've got to show some initiative. You've got to say with Mary, let it be unto me according to your word. Um, and then, as you begin to partner with God, you show yourself willing to serve him. Then you ingratiate yourself to his heart. And then he begins to know you in a deeper way. And you, you begin, God's always love; he's always wanted that, but you've got to show some initiative. You can't just sit in the back pew and say, well, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. I've been everywhere. I've done everything. I know God. My Aunt Nellie knows God. My dear old mama whose Bible I carry knows God. If God wants to do it, he'll do it. Well, just go ahead and dry up and die. But if you want to know God, you've got to search for him. And so the plan of God leads you to the heart of God and the heart of God reveals the plan of God and so goeth the wheel within the wheel. Which comes first? Well, of course, God is one. God is a God of love. He's spirit. He has his purpose. So how do you separate that? You can't. He's one. But the way he reveals himself to us is his heart extends the opportunity to partner. Will you? Who will go for me? Here am I. Send me. What would have happened to Isaiah if he'd just had an encounter there? Well, well, bless God, there I was just in the temple. We were all despondent because Uzziah died. We didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know whether we were going to have to pack up our bags and Moved to Florida. Uh, We didn't know what was going to go on. And suddenly there was God. What was I going to do? Jim bang, there he was. Just like my old uncle Rufus sitting in the back pew said, there was God. And he could have told about his, his experience. And that would have been it. Until he said, here am I. See, God's plan looks for a partner. You know, Caleb, who had another spirit, Joshua. We're well able to go up. Was God's plan there? Yeah. Was God's heart there? Yeah. Was it God's will for them to take the land? You better believe it. Where was Moses in that? You hear Caleb saying, we are well able, let's go up. Moses is watching. See, as the leader, I'm not saying I'm Moses. But in any paradigm of function, there has to be a leader. If there's not one, the enemy will take over. And you better pray your leader wants what God wants. And not just says he does, or she does. Moses is watching all this. Caleb says, we're more than able. Somebody has to say, go. I'll do it. And God noticed that. And guess who got to go in? Caleb and Joshua. Somebody who said, I'll I'll go with the plan of God. So it's the angel of the Lord that comes. See, we got back to Luke 2, didn't we? It's the angel of the Lord that's speaking to these shepherds. Those that would be the Raw, function in the, the ability to see and follow the good shepherd. And he's saying, hey, here's a plan that's uh, going to be made possible to you. It's, it's going to be great joy and it's going to be to everybody, but not everybody's going to want it. See, that's what the progressives are saying now, aren't they? Jesus came. And he gave himself so everybody's already saved. You can do whatever you darn well please. And you're okay. I'm okay. You're okay. And then the next step they start mocking how the God of the Old Testament is a big meanie and you know how could a real God destroy his son and offer bloodshed so this really wasn't Uh, In an actual blood sacrifice, Jesus was the Cosmic Christ. Just idiocy. Totally decimating. Not decimating, that's that's only one out of ten. Totally obliterating the whole meaning of this story. These angels come and say, okay, boys, shepherds, we're coming to you for a reason. God's doing something now that is going to make his plan, which he always wanted to do. In his timing, he's sending his son and this whole arsenal of understanding, function, seeking after God, knowing him as sons, it's all going to be made available to you. And guess what? We are going to partner with you. In fact, we're going to serve the heirs of salvation. We know that God has this final plan that's going to happen but we don't know exactly how he's going to do it. It's going to be mysterious. In fact, every now and then we're going to want to look in peer in to see how he's doing. it. It's glorious. We're willing to go along with it. How about you? The greatest gift of all is being born again. What you do with being born again in spirit within in partnership with God. Seeking truth. Truth, not facts. Truth. There's a difference. That's up to you. Ain't nobody going to make you do it. If you sit around all day. Waiting for it to drop on your noggin. You're not going to go anywhere. You've got to engage. With the plan of God. Serve Him in the heart and the love of God and utilize the capacities. But this anio, this is a key word. In fact, this is the word I've been waiting for because all this study about friend and phroneo and all of the things we've studied yeah, throughout the New Testament, linking it back to the old, this is, this is the opener. Because this is when it was presented. This was was what the angel spoke about in regard to the coming of Jesus. Do you realize that? Do you realize that? Think about that. Here are these angels. The angel of the Lord comes and he says, Hey, you should be happy. Grace is coming to you in a way that it's never come. Um, it's going to be available to everybody on earth. You, you should rejoice. And uh, you're, you're going to find this gift from God. And he's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. It's going to be your sign. And um, then suddenly there's with the angel, this host, this plethora, and they're praising. Hey and yo, that's what they're talking about the son has come he's offering himself to redeem you to god and through that the promise of the father is going to give giftings and capacities to the ecclesia if they will function in that way and you'll have this gift that will activate uh, not activate that your, your born-again spirit will activate into, you'll communicate through these various tongues, moving in the agape of God. You're going to have revelation and mysteries revealed and understandings of the living word that you have never seen before. And these angels are declaring that. They're praising the Aineo. This summation of all of this is being offered to you. How's it going to happen? Through Christ, through his sacrifice, being born again, and then you function in that spirit. I think that's great. So the angel of the Lord comes, offers the plan. Where's the angel of Elohim? Well, he didn't have to come. Why? Emmanuel God with us. Elohim with us. Had just been born. We have the privilege of knowing the Father. Knowing his heart. Only through Jesus. No man or woman. No man. No man or woman comes to the Father. But through him. He is the door of the sheep. He is our elder brother, which is really an Adonai-like function. He is the one, which is why they, he's the Lord. That's not Jesus' first name, Lord Jesus Christ. First, middle, and last, Lord Jesus Christ. No, you've got to follow the plan of God. You've got to know the heart of God. And you've got to, you've got to go in that plan. I mean, that, it's just wonderful. But the essence is serving, knowing God, serving Him, loving Him. But the plan is what the angels follow. The angels, you know, so why were the angels called the sons of Elohim in the book of Job? Why was that? And this is where the progressives just go wacky. They they just go off on this. And they try to get everything confused. Why was the commandment of God uh, to Moses written on the rock, you'll serve no other Elohims. Why was it that you won't proskuneo, you won't sha'al, you won't proskuneo before any other Elohims? Because there's a battle for the love. There's a battle for the devotion to the heart of God. There's a battle for that. And these many of these angels that were created to participate in that know just enough about how man functions to where they tap into that passion and then they become, in their own thinking, gods. And that's, that's it. So don't give your gifts. Don't lay before these demons who are, who are absconding with that part of your heart and your love that's reserved to really Elohim. They call themselves Elohim. Maybe they were even created to facilitate and to partner with that. Maybe, 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 if you underline that word, maybe, I'm not adding to the scripture, but maybe these sons of Elohim were standing here, the the ones that didn't fall like Lucifer did. Maybe they're here declaring, Remember, what was the discussion in the book of Job? Have you considered my servant Job? God said, Elohim said to Satan. These sons of Elohim were there. Were they functioning in support of Job? Probably. Undoubtedly but not in a way that the New Testament was. So I think that the sons of Elohim in the book of Job were angels that were created. Maybe Gabriel obviously was one of them. Michael was one of them. Now, if you believe the Catholics and their teenage mutant ninja names, Maybe Raphael. I I'm I'm not saying that. But but these ones that we do know, those are the only two godly principalities that are mentioned in Scripture. Forget about the, the apocryphal stuff. I'm just going off of the King James. I'm going off of the canon of Scripture, not just the King James, the canon of Scripture. Um that that these were created to serve God, why was Gabriel? Why is Gabriel a communication angel? Why is he there beholding the face of God at the right hand? Because Jesus is there. Why is Jesus there? Scooch over Gabriel, I'm here now because of us. that's why he came. That's why God came to make that right hand place available for us. Do you understand this? So the angels of Elohim were simply those that God created to devote themselves to God's plan, which is partnering with us to fulfill His eternal majesty. Do you see that? So they weren't a bunch of little gods running around. They were devoted to God. So if if there are miscreant spirits that rebel against God, that many of them were created to be assigned in specific places around the earth, deposits of the glory, which the enemy clearly said were under his purview in the wilderness temptation, and Jesus didn't deny that. And the discussion there was about proskuneo. These beings are there. And they're telling people, you know, we're really gods. I mean, it's all over the Internet. It's being taught by idiots in Cambridge and, and uh, Oxford. And there are many people that are believing these doctrines of devils who should know better. Well, the, the, we're really gods. And this one big meanie god kicked us out. But we're all coming together to do him in. Will you serve with us? After all, this one big meanie God is a bloody God. Oh, he's terrible. That's what's being said right now in Hollywood fashion. You know that, don't you? Or you should. So this idea of the sons of Elohim and then these little miscreant ones that rebelled against God, they're not gods. What is Elohim? It's God's heart. It's God's love. They were created to serve Elohim. On behalf of that. These fallen ones were, many of them were created to serve in facilitating what God's created role for man was. And so God says, they know how this is supposed to be done. Don't play with them. Don't lay before them. Don't worship them. That belongs to me. You will have no other Elohim before me. I am a jealous God. What is the of God? What is that? It's God's purpose, His plan, what He wants for us, how He wants to move. He's a jealous God. Which is why when Melchizedek saw Abram, he said, Oh, Abraham, friend of the Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, Kanah, the jealousy of God. Do you see that? You may not be reading this in the Pentecostal Evangel, but it's good reading and it's right there in the Scripture. And those are truths that God has wonderfully revealed to us from His Word. So we're back to Luke 2. Here is the angel of the Lord declaring this magnificent dimension of the plan of God. And then when he says it, In conjunction with Jesus, suddenly there was with the angel the plethos of this great host, department after department after department of the angelic and the leaders of them come, and they begin to praise. They talk about this thing that is the function of the Spirit through us, through tongues. Through mysteries, through partnering with God, through building up faith, through, through partnering for the plan of God to be point by point put in place. Through revealing of truths from his word, the word come alive. All of that, the angels are presenting that possibility for the first time. How will it be unlocked? Only Through the blood of Jesus. Only through the sacrifice of Emmanuel. And only through people accepting that sacrifice and partnering with it. And that's why when the risen Son of God as the slain Lamb appears before the throne, they're all talking at that point, who is worthy to take this book that's in the right hand of God? Who is worthy to take it? And only one step forward. Jesus. And he takes his place at the right hand of God. Do you see this? I hope you do. So, we went over time. Merry Christmas. Thank you for sharing this word today. I know it's a lot. But... You were made to feast on this meat because it's all God's Word. It's all God's Word. We want all of it, don't we? I speak blessing over you. I thank you for your faithfulness to God in this past year. The year ahead is wonderful beyond words. This current year of the glory of God has seen amazing things happen we should give thanks to God for his goodness to us the year ahead truth and sonship is going to be beyond anything that we could ask or think we've got to to enter into it with thanksgiving that begins now praise waits for us in Zion. What's coming waits. So let's position ourselves as people who actually think we know what we're supposed to be and do. Let's act like it. Okay? Awaken my soul and let's be what God created us to be. So once again, for those of you who weren't paying attention to the beginning of this broadcast, for those of you here in Dallas, there's no Christmas celebration here at the church tonight as was previously announced. That's been moved to New Year's Eve after the Sunday service. Okay? God bless you. I enjoyed this time with you. I hope you you, you did too. Until Sunday at 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock Sunday is when our service begins on Christmas Eve no wisdom seekers class this Sunday. So, Sunday 11. See you then. God bless and goodbye.